this to us. We pray, O oh God, that you'd bless us together, Lord, as we walk together through your word. Lord, we pray that, Lord, that we'd, what would be born in this place is that which is born of the Spirit. That, Lord Jesus, the words, the principles that we teach, Lord, would come from the Word of God and not from simply our mind, Lord, our own wisdom, but, Lord, the wisdom that is from above. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Week 12, it's all about love. Amen. I, 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 one thing that I have seen as I have thought every week about this theme, it's all about love, is that the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, I believe the proper way to look at it is through the lens of God's love. He created us because he desired to have a relationship with an individual that had the freedom to choose to love him and worship him or if they chose to do differently. Prior to the creation of man, he created angels. And the very act of choosing was in fact rebellion. And that's where we get uh, Satan and his demons. So uh, it's all about love. First John chapter 2 and verse 14 will be the focus verse for today's lesson. Uh, John, the beloved John, whom the Lord loved. John, who seems to have a special revelation concerning the love of God, his love toward God. He is the apostle of love, you could say. And so we are able to have a, a view into the attitude of this man that had a revelation of God's love. And so from that, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Love not the world. You know, there is something intrinsic to the nature of God. And we see that this in his creation. We see this in the nature of the world that we live in. The Bible says in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Poof. There was light. And then he divided the light from the darkness, the day, he, the light he called day, the night, the darkness he called night, the evening and the morning were the first day. And from that point of division of the light and the dark, you see this dividing, this uh, 
here's a, a word in the culture, a binary of, of two things that are different. Good, bad, righteousness, wickedness. And so it is important for us to understand that there is something when a person is seeking to love God, when you really love God, by nature, in effect, you will hate the things God hates. You'll love the things God loves, and you'll hate the things God hates. And at the end of the lesson, we'll go through some scriptures that, that further uh, solidify this idea. If you love God, you will love the things He loves, and you will hate the things God hates. That idea is repulsive to our culture. Our culture hates things, but they hate the idea that God hates things. <laughs> it's <clears throat> First John verse 4 and 5, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Truth, error. How do we know the spirit of truth and error? Uh, beloved, uh, how do we know? Those that hear us. And I don't believe that we should necessarily internalize that. Well, if you love God, you're going to listen to me. But the proper context of that truth is those that hear the words of the apostles. Those that hear the, the words of the Bible. Those that hear the scripture and hear the apostles, hear the prophets. They are the spirit of truth. Those that do not want to hear the words of the apostles, words of the prophets, the words of scripture, they are of the spirit of error. That's how you know it's the spirit of truth and spirit of error is what are they willing to listen to. And we live in a world, Christian world in particular, that more and more they do not want to hear the words of Scripture. They want to tell us what they think or someone they agree with thinks, even though that what they think or what the, the person they want you to hear, what they say is contrary to what the Scripture says. But that's how you know spirit the spirit of truth and the spirit of error is who are they listening to? The world doesn't listen to God, doesn't listen to Scripture. And as a lot of people, you can identify the spirit of error they are in because everybody in the world loves them. There's a lot of, uh, um, how do you say, celebrity Christians. And if you look at who they like to listen to, they are preachers that are worldly. There's a man, his last name is Lentz. He pastored a large, I think, Church of the Highlands in New York City. And he was cool. You know, all the celebrities loved him. And he wore like tight leather pants and ripped t-shirts and tattoos. And he's, I guess, handsome. Uh, uh, you know, he drive fast cars. And oh, the celebrities love Jonathan Lentz. Oh, he's so cool. <laughs> they loved him. And you could identify this man is operating in a spirit of error because the world 
loved him. The world listened to him. And what he was saying was not what the scripture says. And so it is important for us as believers to have a heightened uh, sense of discernment. I remember one time I was, uh, I was married, but I would guess I was probably 23 or 24. And uh, me and a friend of mine, Jeff Jones, he's preached for us before, uh, we did some landscaping, and I think he worked for me. I had a landscaping, whatever, business, and uh, uh, we would go cut people's grass. And we went and cut the grass of a lady, most of you probably heard of her. Uh, her name was Sister Frazier, and she was a blind lady that uh, was famous for praying all the time. And people would go see her, and she'd pray with them and prophesy to them. And she just was a pure, humble soul that lived in the presence of God. And I remember uh, one time we were cutting her grass, and usually when we go get through cutting grass, she would have us come in, and she'd have some fresh, hot cookies or a piece of cake or a piece of pie, have something to drink, and she would uh, give us that. And we'd sit there and talk about the Lord and pray, and uh, she was given to prophesy. <laughs> I remember one day she, she prophesied, and I believe it was the Spirit of the Lord, and the prophecy was that in the last days of all the gifts the believers need to have would be the gift of discernment. Discernment. And I remember she said, she said, you will see in the coming days those of high honor will fall and be revealed. And it was just a short, so I was, still, I was still in Bible college. It was just months away from probably one of the most famous, musical, gifted person in our movement uh, was revealed to be uh, not a person of honor. And I remember that, 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 that thing she said to us, pray for the spirit of discernment. And since that day, I've seen a lot of people who who did run well, but something bewitched them. It's all about love. And when we truly love the Lord, we need to pray for discernment and wisdom that we may love the things that God loves and, and hate the things God hates. Uh, this is so important. Amen. James chapter 4 and verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now I think it's interesting the way James puts this. He says to those, he's writing to the church. He's not writing to the people in the bars. He is writing to the church and he calls them adulterers and adulteresses. I don't believe that he 
is referring to the sexual act of promiscuity. He is dealing with the fact that if you look in the Old Testament, that God called his people adulterers and adulteresses because they loved the world instead of simply loving the Lord. And so he is, James is revealing that even in the church, the early church, there were people in the church, the early church, that loved the world. And so they were, they, they were lusting, they were uh, for things they didn't have, they, they were wanting things they didn't have, and they were praying for things that God would not give them. And he said, you have not because you ask not, or when you ask, you're asking what you want and not asking for God's will. And so it's very important for us to understand that when we truly love the Lord, we must understand that the greatest blessing we will ever experience is that we could be in the center of God's will. I've said this, I would rather be in the will of God in the wilderness than in a, 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 a paradise outside the will of God. I would rather be poor in the will of God than wealthy outside the will of God because you can be poor and go to hell. But there's going to be a lot of people that got money to burn and they're... <laughs> you, can go to, you can be poor and go to heaven, right? right. Amen? There's going to be poor people in, in hell, right? Poverty or wealth doesn't send you to heaven or hell. Correct. Right? 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 But I would rather be poor and go to heaven. I pour and please God, pour and do the will of God, than be wealthy and have everything of this world and go to hell and displease God, not be in his will. So our, we must pray, Lord, I want your will in my life. When you get in the center of God's will, there's all kinds of things the Lord will allow you to have. I've seen even people in this building, I've seen them go from a low spot to so much higher spot because they began to seek God's will. When you seek God's will, <laughs> I do believe you can get your heart in such a place and right with God that there's nothing he will withhold from you. Right? I want to be saved. Whether I'm... I, I, I'm uh, whether I'm, I'm, I'm driving a Rolls Royce or a, I'm trying to think of a bad car. What's a bad car? Uh, a 1985 Hyundai Sonata. Y'all remember those red Hyundai Sonatas that broke down on the side of the road? Right? I want to go to heaven. Can somebody say amen? amen. I want to go to heaven. So I want to not simply pray for what I want. I want God's will. Uh, verse 5, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he, the Lord, giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. Speaking of Pride Month. God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know, there's always a problem 
when somebody wants to be identified with their sin. Selah. Verse 7, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The picture of the prodigal son. The Bible says that when he came to himself and he said, Oh, that I might be in my father's house because the, the servants in my father's house have bread enough and to spare. And here I am about to fill my belly with corn cobs. Fill my belly with pig, pig fodder. So I will arise, go to my father. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me be a servant. The Bible says that the father saw him a great way off and ran. <laughs> and, and applying that parable to God in our own life, how fast can God run? <laughs> how far can God run? How fast and how far can God run? I believe at the moment... When you decide, I want to repent, the Father comes running. <laughs> and there is a party in heaven. Because heaven knows nothing brings the Father greater joy than when a sinner repents. The angels know what makes the Lord proud, makes the Lord happy, makes the Lord joyous. And so all of heaven has a party because God is pleased when we repent. I can make God happy every day. I can make a part. The Bible says that there is joy in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. And I think every day when I get down on my knees and I say, God, forgive me. I can make heaven rejoice because every day I wake up a sinner. Right? We have to make up in our mind, Jesus, today's going to be a day I'm going to please you. Amen? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. He's writing to the church, ye double-minded. Somebody want to tell me what it means to be double-minded? Indecisive. Indecisive. Somebody, that's a good word. Somebody give me another word or example. What does it mean to be double-minded? Saying one thing and doing another. Yes. I, you know, I think the picture of this, the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And to be double-minded means that you want to do one thing and you turn around and do another thing. How can we break that cycle? we got to give voice. we got to give power of our life to the spirit. I know you've heard the illustration where all of us have two dogs. We have a good dog and a bad dog. And if you feed, whichever dog you feed is the one that wins in your life. Y'all heard that illustration before? Yes. And so if you feed the bad dog, everybody say the flesh. The flesh. The bad dog's going to win. But if you feed the good dog, everybody say the spirit. The spirit, the spirit will overcome. And so we have to make a, a disciplined choice. I am going to make room I am going to give place. I am going to listen. I'm going to be led. I'm going to be filled with the Spirit of God. doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. But day by day, week by week, the kinds of mistakes we make 
become less glaring. You know, the Bible says, cleanse yourself of all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. The filthiness of the flesh, we'll look at the works of the flesh. But the filthiness of the spirit operates in the, in the, the mind, the, 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 the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Attitudes, ideas, opinions. There's a lot of people that may have reached a point where to the great degree they've been cleansed from all the filthiness of the flesh but they can be eat up with filthiness of the Spirit. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are a whited sepulcher. You, you, have, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filth. The inside of you is dead men's bones, uncleanness. And so the key is, oh, well, then I, God doesn't care what the outside looks like. No, that's not what Jesus taught. Uh, holiness... Living a life of holiness, speaking a life of holiness, acting in a life of holiness is an expression of an inward work. If you really love God, you are going to uh, have every part of your life affected by the things that you love. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. That's repentance. Oh God, help me. Forgive me. Forgive me for loving things you hate and hating things you love. Lord, forgive me for listening to the flesh and not listening to the Spirit. Humble yourself, therefore, in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Amen. Amen. It's all about love. When you really love God, you will love the things God loves and you will hate the things God hates. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Now, I've heard people say, well, that means there's three kinds of wills of God, good and acceptable and perfect. I think there's only one will. <laughs> and that will is good, acceptable, and perfect. I truly believe it's possible to develop a sensitivity to God that God can put you you can live in the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's hard to find sometimes, and sometimes change comes. Sometimes you're coming from a broken state, and it is a hyper need to be sensitive, to seek wisdom, to pray deeply, to know the will of God. The transition from being out of the will of God to being in the will of God is... It's a... It's a you, you're, the Lord is going to have to help you. Oh, God, help me. Humble yourself and ask the Lord. If you, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, what's it say? Let him ask of God who giveth to every man liberally. I, I, as a practice for me, almost every time I pray, Lord God, give me wisdom. I need wisdom because I, I have a wife. 
And all the wives said, Amen. Amen. I need wisdom because I have children. I need wisdom because I'm a pastor. I need wisdom because I just need wisdom. God, I need wisdom. Because I've made plenty of decisions and done plenty of things without it. Can somebody say amen? We've all been there. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This past week, I uh, was reading in the book of Psalms and uh, was talking about uh, uh, taking a sacrifice and tying it to the horns of the altar. Anybody want to guess why you would tie a sacrifice to the horns of the altar? Because it's live. When you put the sacrifice on the altar, there's still life there. So you tie it down so it doesn't jump off. So when the Bible says to present your bodies a living sacrifice, sometimes you've got to tie yourself down. Why? Because none of us want to be on an altar. But the Lord says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sometimes you've got to tie yourself down. How do you tie yourself down? One way you tie yourself down is just be committed. Brother Danny, I'm glad to see you this morning. I see Brother Danny almost every Sunday. He wasn't here last Sunday, but something happened. He needed to take care of his mama, and he wasn't here. But he let me know, I was coming. I was coming. He's tied himself down. His schedule, I'm going to be at church on Sunday. Amen. You, you tie yourself down by saying, I'm going to be faithful. So you tie yourself to the horns of the altar. You, you build some regimented habits in your life. Anybody know uh, uh, how long it takes to create a new habit? It's like 28 days to create a new habit. Everybody say it ain't easy. You know how long it takes to, 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 to break a good habit? About a day. <laughs> Anybody ever been going to the gym for two weeks or two years and then go on a vacation, you come back and you're like, what happened two years later? <laughs> Amen. It's easy. It's, it's, it's easy to break good habits. It's hard to start good habits. But when you commit yourself, I am going to be, I'm, I love the Lord. I love the Lord, and because I love the Lord, I love the things He loves, and I, I hate the things God hates. Romans 12 and verse 9, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. I, I had someone say to me, when I, I, I made that quote, it's been a few years ago, you need to love the things God loves and hate the things God hates. And they came back to me and said, I don't think God hates anything. I'm like, well, you hadn't read your Bible, have you? The Lord hates things. The Bible says God is not respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. God will judge us. I saw an image, a group of images yesterday. And I think it was a beautiful part of Jesus. It showed Jesus washing the feet of a man holding a rainbow flag. There's a picture of Jesus uh, washing the feet of Joe Biden. Picture of Jesus washing the feet of Donald Trump. Picture of Jesus washing the feet of a policeman. Picture of Jesus washing the feet of a criminal. And a number of other, you know, uh, different sides. Jesus, 
is a, a servant king washing the feet of sinners. And that is a dimension of Jesus. Jesus loves everyone and he even washed the feet of Judas. Jesus loves people. How much does Jesus love people? He went to a cross and shed his blood and died on a cross to save sinners. Jesus loves people, right? But Jesus is more than simply a servant king washing feet. Jesus is one day. Those that do not believe and obey will be the judge, jury, and executioner. He will sit on the great white throne. And those that are not written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible says he will cast them into outer darkness. Where the flame dieth not, the worm dieth not, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So everyone of those people in that picture, in those pictures, if they don't repent and believe, they will experience another side of Jesus none of us want to know. Amen? I did, someone did make a comment from my observations from that. It's that Jesus washed the feet of those at his table. He did not wash everyone's feet. He washed those who were at his table. And I think it's important, if there's any table I'm at, I want to be at the table of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And there's a lot of people will never truly experience the full desire of God's purpose in their life because they refuse to sit at the Lord's table. The Bible says, What communion hath Christ with Belial? You can't worship God and worship demons. And a lot of people make decisions. They give mouth service to Jesus, but they give their whole heart to sin. That they'll evangelize for everything in the world, but they won't evangelize. They won't take a chance they can be shamed because they talk about Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you in front of my Father. Amen. So let love be without dissimulation. I wrote down a, a few different versions of this. Uh, J, the J.B. Phillips version. Let, let us have no imitation Christian love. Let us have a genuine break with evil and a real devotion to good. So imitation Christian love is those who don't break with evil and those who are not devoted to good. Is it clear? If you love the Lord, you're going to love the things He loves, and you're going to hate the things He hates. Psalms 45 and 7, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. You want a special anointing? Love righteousness, hate wickedness. Psalms 97, 10, Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. That's a command. If you love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of His saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Proverbs 8 and 13, The fear of the Lord is to, what's it say? Hate evil. So I'm not just 
cooking this out of my own mind. The Word of God teaches us that a person that is truly devoted to Jesus Christ, they will love righteousness and they will hate evil. Proverbs 8 and 13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. I will say God God is not teaching us to hate people. Say that with me. God is not teaching us to hate people. We're not talking about sinners. We're talking about sin. Amen. The Bible says that when you see a man overtaken in fault, pray for them and consider thyself lest you be overtaken in the same way. If you see a brother, a sister fall, you don't need to say, well, I knew they weren't right. No, oh God. Have mercy on me. Help them. Because we all are susceptible to sin. There have been individuals more prayerful, more holy, more righteous, more good, more godly, more wise. uh, Just so much better than me. And I've seen them make shipwreck. There is nothing good that dwelleth in me. If there's something good or righteous or holy about me, Jesus is doing that in me. Amen. It's because I'm loving Jesus. I'm loving good. I'm loving righteousness. And in the pursuit of that, I am, I am receiving the benefit of being around that. Right? But in the same way, uh, I must understand I have to keep myself humble. Part of my normal prayer is, Lord God, I say, Lord, I humble my heart. I humble my soul, I humble my mind, I humble my attitudes, I humble my opinions, I humble the things I think I know. And Lord, I surrender and I fully submit to your word and to your spirit. Show me I have an error. Help me to have a right attitude. Anybody want to be honest and say you've had a bad attitude at least once this week? Amen. Were you able to see it at the moment? Sometimes not. But sometimes we have to be honest to realize, you know what? I don't know it all. I can't do it all. I need the Lord to help me to be and to live a holy life. Amos 5 and 15, hate the evil and love the good. I sound pretty repetitive here today, don't I? It's all about love. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, the proper understanding and frame in which we read the scripture, we see that God loves people. He loved Adam and Eve enough, even though they disobeyed him, they broke their covenant with God, they disobeyed God, they didn't believe God's word. God made coats to cover their shame. I believe he shed the blood of a lamb at the foundation of the world to to, to, uh, provide coats of skin to cover their shame. And Jesus is still doing that today. He is covering our sin and our shame with the blood of of the Lamb. Why does He do that? He loves us. And if the Lord loves us enough to hang on a cruel cross 
and shed His precious blood for us that we might be saved. It is no uh, uh, burden for us to live our life in honor of such great sacrifice. How do we do that? We love the things God loves and we hate the things God hates. It's not about hating people. It's about hating sin. There is not a person in whom Jesus did not shed his blood to save. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And it's a great waste that the whole world is not saved. Every person that goes to hell is going to hell in spite of the blood. Jesus died to save the whole world. But humanity, the Bible says the things that corrupt a man come from his heart. What comes from the heart? Hatred of God. Hatred of people. Hatred of truth, hatred of righteousness, right? And there's a lot of hate in the world. I'm not teaching to be hateful. I'm saying it's all about love. And when you have discernment, you you love righteousness. And when you see a person that's bound by sin and they love their sin, you don't hate them. You realize they need Jesus. Right? And how, do they, how are they going to know Jesus? Sometimes you're going to have to open your mouth and witness to them. Sometimes you're going to have to open your heart and, 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 and be kind to them. Sometimes you're going to have to bless those that curse you and pray for them to despitefully use you. And you're going to have to be to them the exact opposite of what they are to you. Why? Because it's all about love. Jesus loved Judas. Jesus loved the Roman soldiers that hung him there. Jesus loved Peter that denied him. Jesus loved the disciples that deserted from him. Jesus loves us not because of our imperfection. He loves us in spite of our imperfection. And in that he loves us enough to give us time after time, second chance, fifth chance, hundred chance, thousand chance, All of us will be saved, not because of our perfection. We will be saved because we are in pursuit of pleasing God. Loving what God loves. Hating what God hates. Because that's what it means to love God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God... Even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. You know, one of the great travesties that have happened in Christianity is there used to be a segment of Christianity that were holiness people. Church of God in Christ, at one time, as a bulk of them, were holiness-loving people. I don't doubt there's still some that love it, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on. I know there are people, apostolic people, that used to be holiness people. They no longer hate what God hates. What's the difference in Joel Osteen and preachers of truth? 
Because he only talks about good things. God will bless you. God will love you. God will honor you. You're going to have your best life now. Heaven and holiness. Not holiness. <laughs> you know, it's all good. Jesus loves you. Right? But he doesn't talk about righteousness. He doesn't talk about repentance. He doesn't talk about hell. He doesn't talk about, he doesn't talk about the, 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 the division of Right and wrong, the division of uh, evilness and wickedness. He doesn't talk about the division. The Bible is a divider. People say, well, you know, doctrine is divisive. Yes, on purpose. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of soul and spirit, and as discerner of the thoughts and the intents. We are all naked before Him. The Word of God exposes us. The Bible says the word, looking into the perfect law of liberty, it's a, it's a mirror. It shows us. The word of God ultimately is about us helping ourselves be saved, to judge ourselves. Not just about judging others. If there's any other we judge, it's, it's us. Amen. We preach against sin. We preach against wickedness. We preach against unrighteousness that's delineated in Scripture. But the main thing is we look at the Word, we read the Word, and how does this, how can I live in a way that honors and reflects the Word of God? Why would you want to live in a way that honors and reflects your love? Because you love God. I love Jesus. And so therefore I hate every wicked way. God is a God of love, but true love, there is a division. I was talking to Brother Frank Jordan. Oh, my goodness. Everybody say, I love Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Lord, make it a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Lord, we want to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Somebody, should, I, somebody needs to be the timekeeper. When I, when I hit a 10.35, you need to wave your hand and say, hey, pastor, you, you need to